Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Projected Opinions Podcast, the best movie podcast in under 20 minutes. My name is Matt Noble. And I'm Nathan Payne. And this week, we're excited to bring you a special episode of the Projected Opinions Podcast on uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. So we'll jump right into it. We know we've been uh, absent for a little bit. That's because we've been really busy with side projects and lots of other things, uh, which we'll get to in a future episode as we pull back the curtain a bit. But this week, we're solely dedicated to uh, solo Star Wars story. So, Nathan, in a couple of minutes, break down spoiler free. What did you think? Um, I was pretty impressed, actually. What were your expectations going? My in, expectations though? were very low. Okay, not gonna lie, I was not exactly stoked when I heard that this was gonna be the movie that was coming out. Um, I'm a fan of the character of Han Solo, but I've never really been down with the idea of having extra content on him. So when I heard that this was announced, I was like, well, they're just going for, you know, characters that people like, but there was a part of me that thought that it was entirely unnecessary to have this. Now, having seen the movie, I still think it's not strictly necessary for the narratives of Star Wars to see this movie, but it's a it's a fairly decent movie it's a good ride it's enjoyable it's fun um the character of han solo i think is fairly consistent Mm -hmm. the portrayal is not quite the same because obviously you have two different actors but for the most part i after a couple of minutes i could kind of see through that and i just kind of moved on um so i i really enjoyed it it was it was a fun ride it fits inside of the Star Wars universe and it adds some cool things and we actually get to see some events that we've heard about um, in other films. So I think it fits inside of the the mythology very well. So I was I was enjoyed. I will watch it again. I'll buy it. What did I, you think? I thought uh, similarly. Uh, so I had super low expectations as well simply because I know all the backstory of getting to this point. Uh, I, I was... Uh, really excited about Lord and Miller being uh, the original directors. Uh, if you don't know, they've done a lot of comedies, including things as uh, recent as the Lego movie, which I actually really enjoyed. I thought the story was surprisingly good, and I thought the humor was incredibly funny. Uh, their their comedic timing and all of the stuff that they do is usually really good, so I thought this was going to be, uh, as far as genre pieces are uh, is concerned, I thought this was going to be like a comedy Star Wars movie. Uh, then they got cut, and then they started doing reshoots with Ron Howard, whom I also love as a filmmaker. Very different style, yeah. Uh, but I think he makes really solid films. His his style is not as uh, noticeable immediately when you start watching a movie by him, but it's slowly as you start seeing things, you're like, okay, this. He has a progression of story and character that he uses. Uh, so I was uh, excited about that. Uh, but I was also super concerned about all right, how much shuffling and reshuffling of footage and lines. Uh, acting uh, coaches were brought in apparently for a few of the actors, and I was like, you know, I'm going to prepare myself for the worst. Uh, I, like you, did not think this was a super necessary story, but I also really do like the idea of filling in the spaces uh, so long as you have a good story to tell. And right. I think Han Solo, as a character, has a really good background to explore mm-hmm. so I thought you know this is a great starting point uh, totally okay with it I'm not a diehard fanboy who thinks it should not be touched but I also was uneasy about 
the new actor coming in just because a lot of people, I think, like me, when you think of Han Solo, you think of Harrison Ford. Right. Uh, so that was going to be hard for me to get over, and I knew that going in, so I tried to be as open-minded as I could. But that being said, I, I really liked it, surprisingly, uh, a lot. So um, let's let's dig down into more details. We'll still stay spoiler-free for those of you who have not seen it. Uh, go see it, though, because we both, we both really enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. uh, starting with story, uh, the story was written by the Kasdan brothers, I believe, uh, who were involved in Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back? Uh, yeah. Uh, so and uh, the Last Jedi, or not the Last Jedi? I'm sorry, Force the Force Awakens. Awakens. Right. Okay. Um, so, what did you think of story? I this was the bit that I was most skeptical about was how they were going to do the story well because ultimately you know some of the ending points, like you know that obviously. Han and Chewie can't die, so there's no stakes to be had there with their lives because you know that they survived to A New Hope. Um, And I thought they did a pretty good job. I enjoyed the writing. There was some funny moments and there was some not funny moments. Um, There's some subplot items that I think feel a bit forced or shoehorned Mm -hmm. in, um, and we'll talk about those later. Um, But for the most part, I think that they did pretty well with a subject that can be kind of tricky when you're trying to fit into the middle of something that's already been um, established Um, and there are obviously just pieces that the audience knows what's going to happen after the end of this so with that being said I think they did a pretty good job of navigating the space that they had um, and giving us a good portrayal of events that we've heard about um, so for the most part, I thought it was it was pretty decent. Um, what did you think? Uh, just to correct an error I made, not brothers, Kasdan brothers, father son. Okay. So forgive me, um, I misspoke. Uh, I thought the story was a pretty good. Uh, th- there were a couple things that earlier on stuck out that really annoyed me, uh, such as so there was no crawl at the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's a small spoiler alert, but as most people who have seen like Rogue One and um, have done any reading. The uh, side anthology movies will not have scrolls like mm-hmm. the episodes, um, but the, the the beginning like intro phrase told us a little brief amount of information uh, that almost immediately became unnecessary. Like it mentioned a, a major character that was in bold, uh, and then that character immediately did not play a part in the rest of the movie after like five minutes yeah and i was like are you serious like why set this up and then not follow through on that so i thought that was a little weak in storytelling world uh i thought honestly that probably just could have removed that bit and just let you have the mystery of the character and i agree just drop you in and it would have been okay yeah um i thought the story progression was surprising i never got lost as to like why are we doing this Mm-hmm. I always felt like I knew why things were happening and unfolding. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think that the character motivations were concise and well uh, well told. Like, you didn't ever get confused why a character made the decision that they did. Right. Um, which happens sometimes, especially when you're dealing with trickier genres. But Yeah, and I thought, as far as like, we can jump into characters, I, I thought that most of the characters belonged and needed to be there there were a couple characters 
that even make the marketing reels, and I am not sure why. Uh, they're on posters that they're giving away at the the theater, uh, and and frankly, they just don't matter. They're yeah. not referenced throughout the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. They kind of have like this brief like bloop, and then they're gone. And I don't know if it's uh, in the original cut of the film with Lord and Miller that they played a larger role, or if they were just like squeaked in and were like, all right, the marketing team is trying to figure out who who's a diverse character or like cool looking or what can we put on this poster and fill in the spaces i'm just i imagine that it's probably more down that road than anything else yeah it was i I thought the characters the ones that actually mattered were fun or fleshed out enough for me to care about them fair enough fair enough yeah um as far as like before we go into spoilers as far as like some of the more technical things Mm -hmm. um that you can point out without spoiling anything what did you think uh, so I, I thought it was a f- um, fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the cinematography was dark. It is. That's, for the uh, first half of the movie, I kept thinking, it's so dark. I can barely see what's happening. That's a trait of the cinematographer. Bradford Young um, did Arrival and uh, some he other things. He works with Ridley Scott all the time, right? No, no, that's someone else. He works uh, with Denis Villeneuve that's a couple times. Okay. Um, and he... He prefers to have kind of low contrast, dark images, hmm. um, where basically the only thing that you can see is sometimes a face, hmm. um, and then just a bit of visual interest here or there. But yeah, that's his style, and there's a part of me that's that sometimes I like it, and sometimes I don't. Yeah. There's a lot of time when I was sitting there going, I know there's such cool things right now that are on screen that I cannot see. Yeah. Because there's a lot of effort that goes into, especially Star Wars movies, with production design and like yep. locations and creatures and stuff. And there's a fair amount of it that you can't see, especially in the beginning when they're in the underworld mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, and there's a um, there are multiple heists throughout this mm-hmm. film, and one of them uh, that involves a train, which is in the the trailer. Uh, I, I could not see large portions of what was happening during that entire set piece Mm -hmm. and that was a little annoying um i I, again i appreciate the style but it did feel maybe just a tad too dark Mm -hmm. other than that technically speaking i thought it was really good i thought they did a wonderful job uh of using actual creatures and prosthetics and the costume design was really good uh, I thought digital characters looked okay. Yeah. I thought there was only one or two scenes. There was one scene where <laughs> the Falcon is going in towards a landing pad or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and the camera's kind of like following really closely. It looks like it's maybe almost mounted. Uh, and then as I was watching carefully, I think they were actually using a model, like a plastic model of the Falcon. And you could tell. Like there was just like the light wasn't right and you could tell that it was kind of sheeny. And it felt like they were using a miniature, and I thought, "Oh, way to go and using miniatures." Also, that miniature does not look that great, right? So, oh well. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me, the the uber nerd, that will just totally be okay with unrealism as long as I know that it was because it was a real thing. Yeah. Um, but I think the new movies are doing a very good job of blending Agreed. where they have to be digital and where they can get away with practical effects Agreed. very well. Um, before we go into spoilers, one more note is, um, along with the cinematography, I I do agree that it was kind of dark, and I I dislike that style personally. Like I don't shoot that way, but other people can. That's fine. Um, 
but the colors I really did enjoy. Yes. The color palette is very good, and it did remind me a bit of Rogue One. Um, I think really? I didn't think Rogue One had a, a good color palette. There opinion. was a lot of the same browns and like earth tones that I saw in certain scenes of Rogue One and this. There's a lot of fluorescent blues and yellows in this I one, love which the I love in this one, yeah, um, which I did love. But I do think that there's kind of a visual style that is almost starting to be associated with like the extra um, anthology movies, the anthology movies a little bit. Um, it it like you could kind of tell actually both the anthology movies were shot on the same camera and so oh, the really? aesthetics are kind of similar regardless huh. of how you play it um but i really did enjoy kind of the aesthetic of the movie as a whole um but shall we get into spoilers yeah let's do it so if you have not seen the movie solo a star wars story and don't want to be spoiled uh stop listening go see it it's out this weekend have fun. Uh, it's it's a good film. You'll enjoy it. Um, I think only one of our friends didn't love it um, for interesting reasons, which we'll get maybe get into in spoilers. Um, so yeah, starting here, spoilers. Go. What did you? I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I'm gonna start with the one major negative that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, the character development does do pretty well, except the fact that. And this character was recast in the reshoots, but the villain is almost entirely pointless in this movie. Yeah. So who 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 was supposed to be? Um, I. So it's it's uh, what's the villain's have... name? Do you remember? Uh, Drayden Voss. That's is the right. villain's name. Played by Paul Bettany, who plays Vision in the uh, Avengers movies, and he is in a lot of things dating back to A Knight's Tale. Yeah, that's a good one. Plays Jeff, uh, the Crier. Incredible. Uh, he's a really good actor. I really like his style. And uh, I thought he did a good job in this film for what he was given. Uh, but seriously, he was a... I would call it almost an unnecessary... So there's a term that we use um, called the MacGuffin in mm-hmm. films. I was thinking like the character MacGuffin, but... Right, and so the MacGuffin in this film is um, the thing that they have to heist. And they're trying to heist this one particular... Uh, resource uh, yeah unrefined um, whatever hyperdrive fuel basically. yeah the whole movie and so that's that's the kind of the thing that ends up pushing the plot forward it's like they're trying to get it but the character of drayden voss here is almost the character equivalent of the MacGuffin. he's only there so that there can be stakes but the problem is you never establish that he's actually worth not double-crossing, that he's actually menacing. Uh, they, like, they, he doesn't... They, they, he kills someone. The first he, moment he's on screen, he is killing someone. He is, but I don't feel threatened by him. I didn't feel that his character had any sort of gravitas. Hmm. He, he kind of seemed a little bit flippant when he was around, and... Like he, really I, I didn't get the sense that he was actually menacing. Um, I, I thought he was a little uh, scary in, in the sense that he's, I, I don't want to say something like bipolar because that's an actual like condition and I don't want to just like put that on a villain and say that has villainistic tendencies or something like that. But his emotional range uh, as a character, like he just had pure raw emotion and so he was either really really happy or really really po'd at something uh and he just like fluctuated and you never knew where he was going 
and that's a little scary to be in a room with someone who, who is completely unpredict- unpredictable. Yes, and I agree, and I don't think um, I'm going to make a clarification. I'm I'm not blaming um, the actor for this. Okay, I don't yeah. I don't think that it was with the material that was on the page. I don't think that this was a bad performance, and I don't think that this was. Um, Something that even unnecessarily takes you out of the film. Like, I really don't think it's that much of a black spot, but I just... He wasn't actually that important because the only reason that he actually existed was so that people could have somebody to answer to. Right, and there was this weird, like, hierarchy system that was referenced throughout the whole movie. Like, hey, you, everyone works for someone. I work for so-and-so. They work for so-and-so. They work for uh, Dross... Viden, Viden Dross. I don't even remember the villain's name. Drayden Voss. Drayden Voss. That's how unimportant. Uh, and then uh, that person apparently works for another character that we should talk about before we forget. Uh, so the chronology, I think, is really important. The events in this film take place about seven to ten years before the events of A New Hope, when Luke Skywalker initially meets Han Solo. So we're like ten years before that. Uh, and we are uh, after we're about 23 to 25 maybe some more uh, so if if we're 10 years before A New Hope um, we are we are in the area of 30 years after Phantom Menace close to-ish right um so this is the, the polarizing issue, I think, of yeah. this movie, is this 30 seconds of the film will affect right. everybody's so, opinion. So after uh, Dryden Voss is killed... Uh, by Kira. By Kira, uh, which that, all that stuff made sense to me. Right. Uh, and suddenly she takes his ring, puts it in the comms. Which you kind of know. Which, it's like, yeah, she's she truly does yeah. like Han, but she likes herself more. Uh, and not only that, but so her character, I think, was not fleshed out as much as it could have been. They because it's kind of a kiddie movie. They didn't really talk right. about. They just implied like, hey, she's had to do to survive the slums. Mm-hmm. Has had to do lots of awful things. Uh, I think clearly she had to do uh, like prostitute slash like hitman slash who knows what other stuff that she I would did. assume that and I would assume that she started in Drayden Voss's employee as not a yes. great person and worked her way up yes. through those means. Yes. So I think that's left to the audience to kind of interpret the darkness interpret, of that. Right. Which is fair. And Which I is fair that. because there was a there was like a, a nine year old sitting two chairs over for me and uh-huh. great Star Wars fan. He he was like every every important thing that came on he would yell out the name. It was really fun. But like for that kid, you don't need to be putting a lot of these things in those yeah. movies because then yeah. the next question is going to be, "What's that, mommy?" Yeah. So you know, I understand that. Um, but so they set up this reveal, yeah. She, right? Yeah. She kills Dryden Voss <laughs> and then calls his former, like his boss, his boss, basically her now boss. Uh huh. And dun dun dun, it's Darth Maul from the Phantom Menace. So, whom we thought we saw die on screen. Now, this, this is where... has been retconned entirely um, a long time ago. Um, yeah. Explain briefly what that means, because I don't think most people know what retconning means. So, retconning is when you go back into a mythology or a chronology mm-hmm. and you retroactively fix <laughs> a an issue. Um, 
so in this case, what happened, and this actually happened before the old expanded universe was done away with, one of the off one of the authors of books actually came back and was like, oop, Darth Maul didn't die. Surprise. Um, right. And so in in the old universe, he ended up making it to Tatooine at some point, and Owen Lars killed him um, on Tatooine because he was tired of Obi-Wan's villains showing up and wrecking his life. Um, that was set aside when Disney bought Lucasfilm and they kind of threw all of that older canon away Mm -hmm. and they started making their own canon um and so currently darth maul actually made a resurgence in the clone wars animated television show um in the fourth and fifth seasons he's a major character there um and he comes back and his whole plot like his whole survival story is kind of fleshed out and he spends a lot of time on a planet dothamir which is where he came from um and he kind of he runs an underworld operation and his operation comes into contact with um, the Crimson Tide Peak. Tide. Nope. Nope. All these are movies. <laughs> All of those are movies. Um, the gang that Drayden Voss leads. Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. There we go. Um, comes into contact with Darth Maul's character. And so it's actually not out of the blue. If you've seen some of the other stuff that exists in the timeline um, in Clone Wars, this is um, kind of a little bit expected that this would make an appearance. Um, so for me, being a fan of the Clone Wars, I was okay with this. But I do, I do know that it really did pull some of our friends completely out. Like the yeah. movie was over at that point. Yeah. They're like, okay, I'm done. That's dumb. So yeah, it's gonna be the polarizing issue there. I think if people don't know what's going on in the Clone Wars, which I think most people don't, uh, it it definitely like ruined the movie. Um, I, I, I would say that distracted me, but I wouldn't say that it actually ruined it for me. Uh, I did have to remind myself that, hey, in, I, I re- realized that, hey, in the animated show, he's not dead. So maybe like they're, they're bringing back him in. Okay. He also probably sells lots of toys as a character. <laughs> and so Disney's like, hey, what character could we sell the most merchandise for? Darth Maul, bring him back. Um, so I don't know. I, it kind of annoyed me a little bit. It felt like fair, the whole though, movie was, I was to always, get to that point. Yeah, I was always one of those guys that thought that Darth Maul was wasted too quickly. I thought oh, he was a cooler sure. villain than, than uh, the yeah, death a level that he one got. Boss kind of yeah. Um, so there's a part of me that doesn't mind, um, but that part of me also is just upset that he was only there in a hologram for 30 seconds. Like, if you're going to yeah, use the character, yeah. use him. Yeah, or, or I would have rather than been, like, very mysterious about, like, oh, this is mega villain, and then unveil him later. Like, yeah. not have him be, like you said, a head on the screen. We just get that yeah. too often. So anyhow, that's really... And that is a Star Wars trope, to be perfectly honest, is... Um to have the hologram major villain show up and be like, oop, there's another one. Yeah. Um, so that's what Empire did. So Yeah. Well, that being said, uh, we're out of time. Again, we're going to have to start calling this the best movie podcast in just over 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but we uh, appreciate you guys listening. Sorry for uh, being gone for so long. Please uh, reach out to us if you have any questions or suggestions. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and more. So keep listening and... Uh, We hope you enjoy this and the future podcasts that are coming out. Thank you, guys. See you next time.